0: Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in.
1: Hey parents, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian. The Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. We are so glad to have you with us today. We've got another great listener question for you. and uh, looking forward to diving into that. We want to thank our sponsors, uh, the folks up there in the Seattle area, the Center of Place of Hope. 37 years of leadership in mental health and behavioral health, uh, a top 10 facility for depression treatment. And they are providing inspired health care for restoring balance to the body, mind and spirit. If you ever uh, need that kind of help. We encourage you to stop, uh, make your first place uh, of checking out would be the Center of Place of Hope. And you can learn more about them at the Wonder of Parenting podcast uh, website, which is wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And then uh, also our good friends uh, down here, Dr. Marion Hill and Man Cave Men all need to be caring, actively engaged, vested, and encouraged And they seek to take a leadership role in encouraging positive relationships of fathers and male role models with their children and more about them, too, at WonderOfParenting.com. WonderOfParenting.com. So thanks to both of our sponsors. Michael, Tim. we've got a good question for you today. You got your brain cells going? I got them going. All right. This is good because this is a good question. Uh, My question is around how to best handle strong personality traits in children. Foster the trait or try to neutralize it. (laughs) I'm a mom of two young boys, ages three and a half and two. The three and a half year old is very competitive in nature. He likes to race his brother in the mornings to see who can get dressed the fastest, race his mom and dad up the stairs, likes to be the leader in lines at school or when a group is walking together. He likes to come in first and be first. But when he doesn't win or get to be the leader, he often gets upset and frustrated, usually through crying or having a tantrum. My husband and I try to talk and explain that winning doesn't always matter. Trying is the important thing. Maybe next time he will win. I think he's a very intelligent and well-behaved child who's used to doing things well and picking up new skills quickly, which may also contribute to his desire of wanting to be first. I think his competitive spirit is overall a positive trait and will likely serve him well in life. However, I wonder when a child has a trait that seems to be on the extreme side of the spectrum, is it best to foster that trait or try to neutralize it so it falls a bit more in the center of the spectrum? I don't want to squash his personality, but I also don't want for his competitiveness to get in the way of making friends, enjoying activities for the fun of it. Any thoughts or advice uh, are appreciated. Uh, Michael, I think this is a great question, not just about highly competitive kids but a lot about a lot of kids who who just show strong personality traits so let's um uh, let's hear what you have to say initially about uh this young boy and his folks and and how to help him harness this great energy he has
2: yeah yeah it's it really resonated with me um because uh the age groups so here we have we have two boys and in this case they're three and a half and and two. So they're a year and mm-hmm. a half apart. Right. Okay. And I, I, I was thinking of my brother and myself, actually, when I was reading this, our ages are, were a bit switched, but we're pretty close in age to this. And, um, he, he was the older one, firstborn, and I was second, but I was really competitive and he was not. And, um, uh, the competitiveness you know, has, has followed me through life. I I'm still really competitive and uh, it's part of why I'm successful. Um, uh, but it, it still shows up, right. I'm 64. And when I play tennis, I play doubles tennis twice a week. And the guys I play with, we're all friends. We've been doing this together for like 20 years, but if, if they're going to call me on something, it's usually Mike, you're being too competitive. You know, <laughs> I mean, still, still at 64, you know, cause I'll go, Oh, we could have done better at that. You know, we lost that game. We could have won that game. And uh, I don't want to overdo it. I mean, I'm not an ogre or anything, but I can still feel and my Mm -hmm. friends can still feel how competitive I am. So this is an inborn trait. And and some some parents would say, um, oh, you're so lucky to have this competitive child. I've got a son. I can't get him motivated. So I love. Yeah, I love that these this family, as they're looking at it, are saying, look, this is a trait. We know we we know it's a good trait. But then they're asking the this deep question, uh, which is to foster, to neutralize it. And my advice on that, and then I'm going to be specific about, about this case, but my advice generally on that is that we foster the trait, uh, three things at once. One, we're going to foster the trait if it's healthy and competitiveness mm-hmm. is healthy. It's going to lead to success. So we're going to foster the trait because it's healthy. Number two, we're going to know that not just us, but that other people are going to socialize and re-socialize our competitive child gradually over a period of time, re-socialize away from the negatives of this trait, um, because this trait is going to cause negatives in relationships, like she hints it is, and other kids are going to get mad at our son, you know, for being mm-hmm. so competitive. Um or are going to try to re-socialize him, you know, you're too competitive, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, stop that. Right. They're going to, they're going to, and then other mentors like coaches and teachers and other mentors, adults are going to help us re-socialize this kid to, to become a better loser, uh, to not have to be so competitive all the time. So trust that the society is going to help with this. And then number three, in terms of what we're going to do, we're going to target the, our child when our child is creating issues, So rather than saying, don't be so competitive, which is going to probably fall on deaf ears. We are, our, our trick is let's show our son, our daughter where their competitiveness is ruining a relationship. Mm. And, um, let's get them to titrate it back so they don't ruin the relationship. So what we're trying to teach them is be competitive, but watch for relationality, uh, you know, have that empathy and that social emotional, uh, to pull back on the competition when it's going to harm your friendships, when it's going to harm your sibling relationships, when it's going to harm others. And, and so we give the child a target, you know, rather than just saying, don't be competitive because that's too abstract Mm -hmm. for him and it's his personality anyway. Uh, but the target is empathy and relationality. And that then helps us to, um, uh help him be more empathic right have have social ocean awareness so that he pulls back on the competition when it's not going to help him you know he is he is only three and a half so that is going to be a long-term tactic we can start saying it now to him there's no reason not to to say look how you made so-and-so cry you know that's fine he did he made Mm -hmm. so-and-so cry um it's really good. We point that out and we say to him, you know, you don't have to do that. You know, you don't have to make them cry. Uh, but he's so young that it's going to take him some time. And um, and then gradually the outer world, right, is going to help with resocializing him. We're going to do it. And and we're not going to ruin his um, we're not going to neutralize that trait, because when I hear the word neutralize, what I hear is stop that. Yeah, but I don't think we want to stop it. I just think we want to finesse it so that it doesn't harm relationships. Right.
1: Yeah. Nurture it. Uh, right. Yeah. It. It's so interesting. You've got a three and a half year old boy, and already you, you just see, you know, part of what his nature is. Yep. Oh, yeah. And it's it's always going to be there. And of course, as parents, we want to make sure that we do nurture that nature in mm-hmm. them uh, to harness it for good. Because this is a good, positive energy, and let's face it, we know we know a lot of competitive people who don't use their competitiveness for good, and right. uh, we need a lot more uh, men and women who who are very competitive and who use that to build a better world. So they have a great opportunity here, uh, you know, to build uh, a real hero, a, a person the world needs who will do something good with his life, and he's got all that innate energy. And, uh, so, you know, how do you use that? How do you harness that? Which is the big question. Um, so, uh, tell us a little bit, um, now, you know, you sort of, you talked in some big, big, uh, strokes. Let's talk about this child here and what are a couple of ways that you would begin to bring out the competitiveness, but yet nurture it so that it's always healthy and productive.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, looking at, Um, so I gave a few suggestions and then also Mm -hmm. looking at finding environments for him where he can compete that are healthy, you know, making sure he's in environments like, like sports, uh, he's only three and a half, but, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, he's kicking the ball around, um, uh, finding those places where he can be competitive and that, that, and, and that's going to be do two things. One, he's going to have to learn to lose. Um, so the Mm -hmm. more he's in those environments and the more he loses, It'll take a few years, but he'll learn to lose, you know. He'll he'll get it. He'll get okay. Uh, you know, and for now he's three and a half. He's gonna throw a tantrum. Don't worry right. about it. He's three and a half, you know. <laughs> Just he can't hurt other people when he throws the tantrum, but he, he he's welcome to throw the tantrum on the floor and yell and scream on the floor because he lost. Okay, he's processing it. Uh, but gradually, gradually he's he's gonna learn how to lose better. And also, even at 15, even at 20, he's still gonna have trouble losing. And right. that's part of this personality trait you, the person does not want to feel inadequate. The person does not want to feel like a failure. And so they don't like losing. Right. And so it will, it will plague him throughout life, but it will also lead to success. And he'll learn the other thing that is gained by putting him in these sports and all of this and, and places where he can compete is that we give him opportunities to compete strategically in these areas. We encourage him to compete in these areas. And then, so therefore there can be other areas where he doesn't have to, and yeah. he'll gradually learn that, that, oh, I don't have to always compete with my siblings because look, I'm competing in all these other areas That's, and it's unconscious for him at three and a half or even at five, but he'll get it. And, and the parents and the siblings will be saying, you know, you know, go, go, go compete over there. Uh, I, I don't want you competing with me on this. This is my thing. Um, And I'll tell a little story and, um, or actually, why don't we go to break and then I will tell a story.
1: Yeah, good. So Michael's got a story. We'll take a little break and come back and he's going to tell the story. And I want to pick up on this thing on losing a little bit as well. So there's so much good stuff yet in this uh, question. You're listening to the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. We will be back with you in just a moment.
0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker,
2: you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want?
0: Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Many of
2: us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. All right, Michael, you have a story for us. Yeah, I think about I think about my brother and myself, okay? Yeah. And so when we were young, I, I, I could have been better nurtured in this strategy that I just laid out, which is give him these other things to compete in so he doesn't have to compete in these areas where they cause harm, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think of myself and my brother. My brother, um, I was very competitive. And so my brother would try new things and I would wanna compete in those areas against him. In order to Mm -hmm. best him and i think what my parents should have done and i know a lot of parents do do this is they say okay you're not going to do that so the story is my brother decided to play viola viola and and he was you know getting good at it and then i said well i'm gonna go do that now and um and my parents were really smart in saying no you're not going to play that instrument but then i went and i played french horn and then i Competed at French horn, I became first chair French horn. My brother never became first chair, uh, you know, viola. And I, I look back on it and go, hmm, you know, and that really damaged my relationship with my brother. Uh, uh, my brother learned how to play chess, so he taught me how to play chess, and then I had to beat him at chess every single time, right? And this is where I think my parents could have done better in saying no, direct that, you know, direct that in these five other places. But let your brother have music, you know, or at least for the next year, let your brother have music. Um, and I think that's something that you, we can do with our highly competitive kids to protect their sibling relationships mm-hmm. and to protect their relationships with the people who are closest to them. Uh, like if they have a best friend, um, uh, maybe don't take up what that best friend is doing. Let that best friend have that that thing, whatever it is, music or chess or whatever it mm-hmm. is, and and direct this kid to compete in other things, because if at 10, he decides to do exactly what the best friend is doing and he becomes incredibly competitive and he beats the best friend constantly, he's going to lose that best friend. And so this is kind of a way to, um, direct the competitiveness. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, yes it does and I uh it it uh, stimulated for me uh, a similar thing. Um you know my brother Jeff we've done events mm-hmm. together. So he's about a year and 3 months younger than I am and uh we had a similar kind of relationship. Now I'm the oldest so he he would be you and uh I took up trumpet he he had to take up trumpet and um uh and and it, what it wasn't a competition so much is, uh, you know, it was just sort of like, you know, this is what Tim does. And, and so, you know, I respect my brother, but it did create competition between us, uh, at times. And I remember at one point, I don't remember the exact moment, but saying to my mom, why does he have to do everything that I do? Mm -hmm. Um, and she finally had had enough. I've told this story before. She just locked us in my bedroom, said, you're not coming out till you figure it out. You guys either get along or you stay in this bedroom. And well, we emerged a week later and had worked it out. You know, we hadn't <laughs> eaten or slept. Um, you know, and it was very wise of her, right? Yeah. And now, as you know, Jeff and I have a great relationship. We work together. Uh, we found our own uh, islands of competence uh, that really support each other. Um, and some of that sibling rivalry, you know, that's another oh, yeah. podcast. Yeah. But right. But yes, there. I. I it, it's very interesting to to hear you say. Uh, you might want to consider something similar but do your own thing so that you're not in direct competition with the people that you care most about um uh unless they have a really good relationship right you you see this on football teams where wide receivers will compete against each other and their best friends and so on but that's at a different level of uh of what you're talking about but yes and they're adults yeah and they're adults that's right right yeah uh i want to pick up on losing for just a little bit here Okay. Uh, in this because here you've got this this child who, who needs to be first all the time which means he wants to win at everything which is a great trait to have mm-hmm. uh when it's harnessed well um and uh part of when you when you're competitive like both of us are you just don't like to lose at all because it, it not necessarily that it means failure but you just always want to be the best that you can be mm-hmm. um But there are times when you have to learn how to lose well, maybe not necessarily always like losing. We're not saying that. Uh, So differentiate a a little bit for us between learning how to lose versus getting to a point where you just give up and you start to lose, um, if that makes sense. We're not trying to teach him just to give up and lose. We're trying to teach him how to lose well and how that contributes to his, his overall sense of well-being. So how does learning to lose, help him do that.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and I, I also, I want to, that's a really great question. I want to respond to it by, by reaching back to what we said before, like a few minutes before about you and your brother and me and my brother, Yeah, and it might help the, we're not, I don't think we're saying that the par- parents should always keep the kids in separate activities, right. not Good. always um because the youngers are going to model off the olders. That's generally mm-hmm. how it happens. I wanted to take up music as my brother did, Mm -hmm. you know, you told the same story that's really normal. And that's kind of neat modeling and it shows respect and admiration. And, and it is just like kids are going to model off to parents. I mean, it's, that's a good thing. It's about saving a couple, saving a couple things that the other isn't involved in. Um, And, and maybe that helps with this, with your question, which is that um, there's a difference in talking to kids, to, get, to help kids learn to lose mm. and to lose well, it involves a lot of framing and reframing and it involves mm. talking to them and it involves a constant interaction with them to teach them the skill of, of learning to fail and learning from your failures rather than just being stuck in the failure or learning to do better next time by losing this time because we're directing them to understand why they lost this time and we're we're forward directing them we're directing them toward well you lost this time for these reasons but you know you can do better next time so that they themselves reorient toward i'm competing to be the best i can be mm-hmm. i'm not competing to harm other people and i'm not competing because i'm so scared of failure right and so right. that sounds complex but that is actually what's going on psychologically and we we as parents have to address this in our kids and that often means talking to them about when we have failed competed and failed and how we reframed it to I lost at that and um I had to come to realize that I'm not a failure and I wasn't a failure but that these skills I did not practice um take soccer. Like I was always trying to do this with my own daughters, teaching them how to, how to do better at soccer. So they didn't have to feel bad that they lost the game, but they themselves learn new skills each time from the failure. Mm. And that's really what, how our, how we're going to help our child. Um, uh, because our child is going to feel like a failure, especially with this personality type, with this highly competitive, higher testosterone Mm. kid. Um, they, he is going to feel like a failure, but he won't voice it at three and a half. He won't be able to voice it at five. But it's part of why he's throwing the tantrum because he's having to process that he failed and he thinks people are judging mm-hmm. him and all this that he's too young to understand. Um, so, as we reframe it over a period of years, we then make him more forward thinking. And as he's more forward thinking uh, about how he can do better the next time, um, he also can take into account relationality. And he can take into account, oh, oh, wait a minute. I don't want to ruin those relationships. I I don't want to harm those relationships. And he'll even start saying, I don't want to throw a tantrum anymore. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. as he grows up, the reframing will work. um, But it's going to take a few years for him to get that. And we as parents have to kind of understand that what's going on psychologically for him is this, this kind of deep texture of I don't want to fail, I don't want to be judged as a failure that that comes in with the same personality gene. Yeah. I don't know. Did that yeah. answer your question? Yeah, that's that's yeah, <laughs> really know.
1: really helpful. And and uh, so we're going to take a uh, one more break. And on the other side, we're going to do a little summary uh, of what we can do to help this little three-and-a-half-year-old. And And then I want to talk, we talked about how do we help our kids lose well. I want to talk about how do we help our kids win well. Uh, So we'll be back with the Wonder Parenting podcast in just a moment.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to
2: tell people the big news?
1: So, Michael, we're, we're talking here about a three-and-a-half-year-old boy, and, of course, we, we start to paint larger pictures. So let's just go back to him for just a moment and uh, give us one or two strategies, again, to, that uh, you've kind of already mentioned, just so that we keep it in the context of a three-and-a-half-year-old, and then we'll move on to helping our kids win. What are a couple of things that they can do to help nurture, not neutralize, but nurture uh, his personality? Okay. So one thing is, of course,
2: bring uh, pull the parents and the grandparents and the uncles and aunts. Pull the extended family um, about, uh, was I like this? <laughs> was my husband, since she's a woman, like this? Uh, my spouse like this? And what worked with me or what worked with them? Uh, mm-hmm. Grab the wisdom from that elder generation of parents, because this came in from somewhere. This personality trait came in from one of these parents or grandparents. So always bring others in by getting their insights on what works strategically. And then also bring all these other people in, even if via FaceTime or something, bring them in and helping to mentor this child in how to do all these things better uh, without neutering it, but how to do it all better. Okay. So those are both, those are two strategies. Third, um, I, I, I would say, go ahead and talk to this child about the relational and start the conversation now with the child so that it's set over the next few years about how this child is doing well. Right? We love this about you. You're, you're, we, we think winning is great. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. You're working hard for that goal, you reach that goal, good for you. And, um, uh, I want you to focus on how you're harming relationships. And so, get that going now at three and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be very unconscious, subconscious, but get it going so that that works over the next few years. Um, and then, and then, uh, lastly, uh, I, I think use the strategy of helping the child protect and be a- empathic and protect other relationships by holding our authority. Let's say in in guiding him to activities so that he doesn't harm some relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's too yeah. young to be fully conscious. So so like we said about the siblings, about his best friend, um, and bring in, you know, bring in the coaches or the preschool teachers or the other parents of the play dates, bring them in, into the conversation uh, and and empower them. Like when my son, when this boy is over at his friend's house and he does something that's really harmful to his relationship with this other boy, empower those parents to talk to him about that and say, you know, that, that was really harmful. You didn't have to do that. You could have won without doing that so that everyone's involved in helping to nurture him.
1: Excellent. So uh, as difficult as it is to lose, sometimes it's harder to win well. So let's just talk a little bigger now. We've talked a bit about losing. How do we help our kids as they're growing to win well, to win with humility, uh, you know, to certainly celebrate but but uh, not let it go to their heads. How do we help our kids learn to win? Yeah,
2: yeah. We it's a great question, and we as parents have to practice humility, and model humility so that we can help transfer humility into this child. Uh, because the child's natural instinct, of course, especially if the child has along with this personality trait of the uh, uh, competitiveness, may carry a little arrogance. You know, mm. may carry a little. I'm better than you. And again, that's something that if we can direct it is going to end up leading to success. It's part of the competitiveness, but you know, you're know, you right. I mean, it just creates relational issues and, um, and we want to nurture the child's nature. And therefore, in this case, we're trying to nurture this other part of the child, the humility in the child, because that is natural to every child. There mm-hmm. is humility there. We have to nurture it and we got to bring it to bear. So one way is for us to model it like let's us not be arrogant let's be constantly telling our kids um you know i did this and i'm working really hard here and i'm having this success um but i'm humble you know mm-hmm. i know that i've had this success because i'm part of a team um i work with 10 other people how i couldn't have the success without these 9 other people you know that conversation where they're always seeing our humility and they can model it and then also where we're going to consciously talk to them about it and this will take a long time no kid, there's no tip to tell a kid. So he suddenly starts winning gracefully. Uh, It just takes time for us and the other parents and the coaches and the teachers for all of us to be saying, uh, giving the message. Okay. You won. We respect that you won, but we don't respect the way you just treated that other team. Mm. That's not respectable, respectable behavior. Um, uh, you rubbed their nose in it. That was wrong. You know, in our family value system, we consider that immoral, you know, whatever is the language they use, right, for their values, right. so that they're transferring these, these h- values of humility. Um, and ultimately, they what they're doing for the child actually is creating a better winner. Because this child, when kids win, and then they are arrogant, and they rub other people's noses in it, what they end up having to deal with, um, what blocks them the next time is they actually have to deal with all that fallout mm-hmm. of their arrogance and they're having to manage their relationships because they can see they're losing friendships and and all of this. And if we as parents can help them to say, look, you can win, but you don't have to be arrogant, then you actually don't have to have to go through all that relationship management. You can just you all your friends are still your friends and you can go forward to win the next game without all, all of that crap basically that yep. this um la- kind of lazy winner, I call it a lazy winner, that the mm-hmm. lazy winner has because he or she won't do the work of winning, won't do the yep. work of, of repairing, you know, other relationships and of keeping the team cohesive. Um, uh, and that's generally what arrogance does. It ruins that cohesiveness. So if we can point this out to the kids, it's going to take many instances of pointing it out, but gradually they will, they will go, Oh yeah, it is better to win and be humble. Uh, Uh, to celebrate the victory, but then be humble. And, you know, we can, a great thing we can do is point them to the sport they love and have Mm. them model off of those very successful sports figures uh, like um, football players. You know, you and I are fans of football, so I'll use football, but it could be any sport. Uh, And I'll use tennis too, which is my other one, Roger Federer. Oh my gosh. You know, the probably the most talented tennis player that has ever lived Mm -hmm. Um, maybe. All right. One of the top five and just so humble. You know, Rafael Nadal, so humble. Um, Novak Djokovic has learned to be humble. uh, If anyone (laughs) follows uh, tennis football, um, you know, these quarterbacks like Tom Brady, he constantly says, I succeed because of my offensive line. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's the best quarterback maybe that ever lived. Um, And you see it all through sports. So so let's leverage that. Let's use that. Let's get our kids watching those video clips of those people. So that they also get the modeling from the larger culture, people they don't mm-hmm. know, but but these sports figures.
1: Yeah, and I think those are the ones that we tend to gravitate toward—guys who uh, and women who are very, very competitive. And when they win, you, you, they, they just their joy is unbounded, right? They they know they've accomplished something, and yet when all is said and done, they're they're humble, but that expresses itself in being grateful uh to all the people who've made them who they are uh they're grateful to the the fans they're grateful to their teammates uh you know some if they're religious people they're grateful to their god mm-hmm, right. um and there's just that that sense of gratitude to to recognize yeah we won and uh, in today's competition i bettered my opponent but there's a there are a lot of people behind this there's a lot of hard work behind this and i'm grateful for all That makes for a a really good winner and someone who can uh, congratulate, you know, the the other team and and be gracious in in winning. Um, And certainly, you know, we all enjoy the kind of that arrogant sports player for a while. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes it could be funny, but it gets the the act gets old and we just find ourselves naturally gravitated. The ones who stand the test of time are those who practice humility and gratefulness uh, when they win. And that's you're you're right. Those are the models that we want to hold up for our our boys and our girls as they're growing. Um, whatever it is, you, a musician, an artist, you know, who are those who really exemplify? This is you win. You win in such a way that other people feel good about it, uh, not just you. So, mm-hmm. uh, Michael, this is such good stuff. And, um, we're, we are expecting that this, uh, young boy who is three and a half in about 30 years from now will be the next president of the United States. (laughs) And, uh, we will have had a small role in that. So if we live long enough to see it. So Michael, thank you so much for joining us as always with your great insights.
2: Uh, Thank you, Tim. You too.
1: And thank you everybody for listening to the wonder of parenting podcast. We will be back with you again. Go to wonderofparenting.com for more information.
0: 18 plus.